Hello, church family. Today we're going to go over the entire chapter, uh, chapter 11 of the book of Acts. Um, if you are following along with us, you remember that in Acts chapter 10, um, Peter gets a vision from the Lord to go and witness to Cornelius. And in a lot of ways, this is, um, as we go through this text, you'll see that this is sounds very similar uh, because he's really just recalling the events. Um, Peter had this vision and he's told not to uh, uh, worry about the food but to eat whatever the Lord has provided. He didn't get that. He didn't understand what was going on. And as he was uh, going about this, uh, Cornelius gets a vision as well to go and uh, meet and find uh, Peter or Simon. Uh, and eventually they both meet and the gospel is being preached. And as as Peter's preaching to them, uh, the people, uh, Cornelius and all in his household were saved. And we see just the effects of that. And uh, beginning verse 1 of chapter 11, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So somewhere along the line, this it just, it just became well known that this was going on. It kind of uh, went before, uh, before Peter, uh, uh, he didn't get a chance to explain himself, but they, they were just kind of hearing these things that Peter was the instrument that uh, that the that the Lord used. And you have to understand there was racial tensions at this time. That uh, you know, Jew, uh, for a lo- for a while, early on, these Jewish Christians just assumed that they were the only ones that were supposed to get the gospel. So hearing this, and especially from Peter, uh, this is something that was shocking to them because Peter was, in a lot of ways, he was a leader amongst the uh, amongst the leaders. So he, they hear this news and they want Peter to explain himself. Verse 2, And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issues with him. Again, these were, I do believe these were Christians. They were just probably immature in their theology and their understanding, um, which shows you that even for some of us, uh, you can be and you can have good teaching, uh, yet there's still moments where we can have um, lapses of poor judgment that are unbiblical. And that's what I think what's going on here. I don't think these people that are accusing or, or asking Peter, I don't think they're I don't think they've got a full, mature understanding of salvation, uh, particularly the fact that salvation is for the Jews and the Gentiles. So they, this is why they questioned him, and they were why they took issues with Peter. Um, and we'll see that you know, Peter will have these moments where he uh, would, would have these moments of greatness, and even in the book of Galatians, it seems that they, he would backslide on this issue. And, and it's just something that the, the human flesh wrestles with, uh, with, with doctrine, is that they're going to wrestle with it, and there'll be moments where they'll get it right, and other times that they'll get it wrong. Um, and in in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul says that he confronted Peter to his face because he showed favoritism, or he kind of had these moments where he, he pushed the idea that, yeah, you probably do need to get circumcised. But it says in Galatians that Paul confronted Peter to his face on this issue, and he, and he was found ashamed. Uh, so eventually Peter did repent, but there are these moments of glimmers of, of, of weakness and, and greatness, and that's just all of us. We have moments where we do really well theologically and very well faithfully in our life, and there are moments where we, we backslide a little bit. But yet, we still see I think, the reality of, of, of our life. And I think this just shows us that God is gracious even to those that are, um, even the, the greatest apostles, uh, they had moments where they failed too. 
So it should give us some hope and solace that when we're saved, salvation for us is not based on performance. It's not based on how, uh, how, how you get everything right all the time. But it's really about God's work in our life. And that should compel us to you know, study, that's, study scripture and, and try to figure out how to live those things out. Um, but yet understand that there is grace when there are moments when we fail. Moving on to verse 3 saying, you went to circumcise and ate with them. Again, this is not just like eating a meal. This is like, I mean, eating the meals that Jews aren't supposed to eat. And then verse 4, but Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, uh, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I, fixed, when I had fixed my gaze on it, and was observing it, I saw four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, What God has cleansed no longer considered uh, unholy. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. So again, this is him recalling everything in sequence, and it's also almost identical to chapter 10. And Peter recited this, and he's just trying to be as faithful as possible by explaining the event, and even explain how, he, as he was wrestling through this issue, uh, there were three men that came to him, and this, again, you see God's providence and timing and everything. Verse 12, the Spirit told me to go with them without uh, misgivings. These six brethren who went with me, and we uh, entered the men's house. He reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house saying, send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will call, speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So again, this is just repeating itself. Uh, verse 15, and I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us, also after believing in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And this is a very humbling uh, response. And he, he's, he's reciting everything. He's remembering the things that he's taught. And, the, and even the fact that he remembers these things is part of God's grace. Um, I believe in Luke, I mean, sorry, in, in the Gospel of John, uh, uh, he, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, I mean, well, Jesus promised uh, them that he'll send a guide, John chapter 16. Uh, but when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you, uh, to you what is to come. So the, the fact that he remembers and recalls these things, these are all part of um, God's promise, uh, the, the Jesus Christ's promise and fulfillment here. You even see John chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So here, when, when Peter is remembering these things, this is the Holy Spirit uh, working in his life to remember, like, yeah, this is what Jesus has said. 
all the things that he taught us. This is what he remembers, and it's because of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that's working in his life and, and recalling these things is the same one that's working in these Gentile believers. He's asking, like, who, who might get in the way? And this shows you his, his, his growth. Because remember that Peter was in the way of the, of, of the Lord before. Uh, you know, Peter was confronted by Jesus. Jesus told him to get behind me, Satan. So he learns his lesson here. And he said, okay, yeah, who am I to stand the way now? And, and verse 18, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, well then, God has granted the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. And again, this is something that's just amazing. And this... Uh, story is repeated. You know, there was chapter 10 and 11 and Luke, I, and I believe Luke repeated the story to really shatter the prejudices in the early church. It's to show the people that are reading this, and these were really Jewish and Gentile audience, like, okay, you are now united in the church. There's no separation of you guys anymore because you're united because, uh, in Christ. The Holy Spirit enabled your salvation. You're now one. And you're all children of the Most High. And this is a unique uh, gift to um, for people, and is a gift that is uh, given and, and is not earned. You know, they they the Jews, Jewish Christians didn't receive this because if they done anything, and the Gentiles did not receive it because they've done anything, um, good or bad. It's only because God worked in their life that they are now united. And these people, these these believers, are questioning Peter. They're starting to understand. And this is just kind of like the progressive revelation and the, and the growth of the church that the Lord uses as a way to build the church. This is why in our day and age for us, we, we, we can't be so <clears throat> divisive in the church about things like the mask and vaccines or politics. These things are all superficial things that will they'll, they'll pass away in, in the grand scheme of things. Where we as Christians need to hold on to is the fact that we are united in the Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit that saved us has saved other people, regardless of whatever view you have on things. It doesn't quite uh, hold up in relative to what we have in the Lord. So moving on, verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyrus and Antioch, speaking the word to uh, no one except to Jews alone. Again, this shows you then the, the struggle that the church had. There are still some Jewish Christians that are only witnessing to those that are Jews. But verse 20. Uh, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks, also preaching the, the Lord Jesus. So again, it shows you there's some that understand it and some that don't. That's just, you know, the reality of our church too, and in all church as well. There are some people that just gets it. You know, they end up, they hear a message, they hear a podcast, they go through a Bible study, whatever, maybe they get it. And some people just don't get it right away. And just be patient. The Holy Spirit that is working in you, it's going to work on the other person as well. And that's just requires all of us to just be patient with one another. Much like the early church, or some people are like, why aren't you only evangelizing Jews and not Gentiles? It's just because they struggle with them. It takes time for them to mature into that. Verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. This is both the Jews and Gentile Christians. And a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and considered, and, and considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. 
So, you know, Barnabas is here. He just sees uh, God's amazing work. And Barnabas is known as, you know, the, uh, the son of encouragement. He, and he's encouraged by all of this. He's out, um, you know, just celebrating, praising the Lord. And he's just encouraging them to continue to have a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Um, and that's what all pastors do, right? Pastors' main job in the church, or even elders, all we're trying to do is tell people, to have a resolute heart, to hang on, to have their heart devoted to the Lord. That's really our primary task is to, if you were asking any biblical counselor, uh, what is the main thing that they're trying to get with counseling? It's really just having the heart uh, to repent and turn to the Lord, to have a devotion to the Lord and to the Lord alone so that they would turn away from their sin, that their heart would be so... Um, uh, that their affections in their hearts is just so drawn to the Lord that they will no longer love sin or anything uh, in this world. And that's what this, uh, that's what Barnabas did. He was just telling people to hold on to the faith and, and cling to Christ. Um, and afterwards, this is verse 25, and he left for Tarsha to look for Saul. So now Saul comes back to the picture. He was kind of gone for a little while in the book of Acts, and now he's he's back. He's, he, he is finally referenced after like a chapter and a half. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, uh, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable number, number and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. This is important because, you know, the Christians met together in person, and the church's primary uh, responsibility is first teaching. You know, first Peter tells us, or first, first Timothy tells us that, um, no, sorry, my mistake. First John tells us that the church is the pillar of truth. Uh, and that's where we need to remember that. What makes the church different than any other social gathering is that the church is worshiping God through the Word of God. Without the Word of God, there's no way for us to truly know Him for who, who God is. Why you and I go to church, it must be for that primary reason. It's to learn about the Lord. Um, above everything else, above the singing, above the giving, above uh, the communion, above, above the sacraments of baptism, all of that. The main thing that you do, the reason why you and I go to church is to know God, and in that knowing God, everything flows out. It's that loving the Lord first, and that's what's going to draw you, and that knowledge of God, as you increase your knowledge, should make your desires uh, change for Him, that your affections are directed to Him so that you can uh, live for Him. That's why we sing, that's why we do the communion, that's why we do baptism, that's why we do all those things. It's out of a knowledge of the, the Word. And, you know, some of you guys are Sunday school teachers, some of you guys are teaching in small groups or in whatever capacity. And I would encourage you, keep going. You're doing the right thing and teaching people to know the Lord. And as you teach them, the Lord will change their affections and they will live for the Lord. Oftentimes, the, why, the reason why people don't live for the Lord is because they don't know the Lord, right? It's, it's not that, you know, the, the, the most dangerous thing a church can do is force people into things without understanding who they're doing it for. If your ministry and your Bible studies or whatever, if anything that you do in the church is not tied to the Lord, uh, then you're doing ministry wrong. Ministry is is an out 
poor of an understanding of what, about the Lord and of Scripture. You know who God is and you want to worship Him more and you want to devote your life to Him more. That's why you do anything and everything at church. It's not because of a social gathering. It's not for even all the fellowship. All of these things are great, but they're, they pale in comparison to knowing God. When you go to church, that's why you go. It's because you want to know God. You want to know more about Him that which, so that you can be driven to, to live for His glory. Verse 27, Now at this time some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the, Holy, by the Spirit that there would be certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. Now, this is very interesting. The Agabus actually shows up twice in the book of Acts. He shows up again in Acts 21, and he has this, you know, the Holy Spirit prompted him to see into the future and predict what's going to happen. Okay, this should not be new because the Bible tells us, even in the Old Testament, that if you can tell a prophet is truly a prophet if the event comes to play. If it doesn't, then kill him. Agabus here is a true, a true and genuine believer, and when and he he tells him that there's going to be a famine now. The question, did it happen? And it did. If you look in history, this is where history helps us and verify that at 46 AD, there was this huge famine that lasted, um, I think it was like four years. Um, this famine lasted four years. And, and, and why was this significant? What is this prophecy for? Well, it explains the role of the church. Verse 29, and in proportion, and in proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And they did this, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. So this is an interesting because the reason why he had this vision is because he's basically preparing the people that you need to be willing to give and care for each other. Um, and, that, and it happened during those famine, uh, during that entire time, the church was willing to contribute to the needs of the saints all over, uh, especially those in, living in Judea. Uh, they saw the needs, and they're willing to go and do whatever it takes uh, to meet those needs. Now, just a practical application of our church. Our church is actually very good at this. SFPC is really very good in terms of asking for needs, and or at least some of the people are very good at asking for needs. You know, we have those meals ministry for those that are... Um, homebound or when they have kids and these things are good um, I've even shared early in the pandemic uh, you know the people there are people where I was living we were just you know giving uh, you know all the toilet paper gone so we we're willing to give each other toilet paper to, to you know this is just a ration rationale like here you have some I have some we're good and whenever we went to like the supermarket we asked each other is there anything that you need can i buy stuff for you you know so you don't have to take multiple trips you know that's that's a good thing and i think the lord is honored by that and i don't know how long this pandemic is going to be i don't know um uh, what the future might hold but i want to encourage you to always have that heart that heart of generosity and caring for one another uh, whatever practical needs that you know and and people and, and you know that you that you're aware of you should go and meet those needs especially if you're able to and for those that have needs, please let those needs be made known. Uh, let those needs be made known, whether you know, let you know, your Bible study leader know, email one of us pastors or your elders, 
let those needs be known and we're willing to find ways to, to serve you in a practical way. Uh, but if those needs are not known, there's no way for us to, to you know, we don't have the, we're not like Agabus, we don't have that uh, spiritual ability to discern all the needs of everyone in the church. But if you let us know, let the leaders know, we're more than willing to care and help you in any practical way. Because that's what the church is supposed to be. We care for each other because we are indeed the family of God. So that's it for chapter 11. Um, we're going to uh, move, we're going to get you walking through this. I anticipate, um, I think we're, we're a little bit, almost halfway through this book. Uh, there's still a lot left to cover, and I hope to just continue walking through this until, uh, you know, whatever the Lord allows me to, as, as much as the Lord allows me to do this, and uh, as well as you're listening. And I do hope that this will encourage you to just continue to you know, devote your time to understanding Scripture more and, and then apply it into your life. Thanks for listening. Take care and have a great day. Thank you.